Hello, everyone. I'm Alex, and I'm here with my husband, Shane, and we are so glad that you could join us for Happy Hour on this Family Tree Podcast, episode 184. Yeah. We just got back from a weekend of camping, birthday parties, and just trying to slowly get back into the swing of things, but there's no time to do it slowly. Shane and I both had a really stressful day today, and uh, I'm feeling the events in our life, Shane. I'm feeling everything build up. Yeah, I know. Like Alex normally is a teacher. You teach high school. Mm -hmm. But we made the decision. I was going to say drastic decision, but really it's not that drastic to get our lives in order, to get our home in order, and just have you never go back to work until it's in order. (laughs) And to be honest... You may never go back to work. <laughs> it is taking so much longer than I thought. And I think I was talking about this last week too, but it's like, it's so overwhelming and daunting because it is never ending. And I was about to cry to Shane today, but I, and you need to give me props here because I did not cry. I held no, it together. You, you were on the verge and I was probably on the verge too. Just when things come, they seem to come in bunches. You know? <laughs> it's just so freaking busy and I don't know how to get through it but the way I guess I'm trying to get through it is just by doing one thing at a time lists Mm -hmm. list making helps so much because you don't want to keep everything in your brain this seems obvious like oh of course make a list but make it even the night before yeah you don't even want to be sleeping with the thoughts and terrors in your mind and things can the terrors (laughs) Well, you can, I don't know, if, I, was, I can't find the right words right now, but you can sometimes uh, over-exaggerate in your mind mm-hmm. how bad a task is going to be. And it's simply because having to do so many tasks makes one task more daunting. Yeah. And when you can't exactly pinpoint it in your brain what exactly you have to do, the whole next day you can be dreading. Oh, I but, do that constantly. But if you have a list and you can see it, and you can see how you can get it done, it really is helpful. So yes, make a list. People know that. But a lot of people don't do the list the night before. Because mm-hmm. I, I can wake up at like 4 a.m. like <gasps> just out of terror. Well, lists helps like writing down anything at the second it happens. And I realized I can't even go more than a minute. I had a great idea today for something creative, like a reel or something. Great idea. I was like, ooh, this is going to get people talking. And then... I just had to, I didn't pull over my car and write it down because I was a block away from home. So I'm like, I'm going to write this down when I get home. Pulled into the driveway, took out my phone to write it down, forgot it, like went poof. And I don't trust my brain. This is why I don't trust my brain because it's just, it's hard. So list making helps. And I heard Jerry Seinfeld keeps a little notebook beside his bed and he wakes up in the middle of the night and would write down jokes and things. Yeah. And he is, uh, He's got some money, so <laughs> I, I doubt his house looks like ours right now. It is hilarious looking out. It's brutal. It's brutal. But I'm trying. I took down, and now, folks, this is a huge step, I think, in getting our lives together. I took down the birthday decorations from Lucy's birthday in May. Yeah. Okay. So we have a problem. Like, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's extreme. We have, we're definitely two people with organizational problems. Alex has taken, uh, three weeks off work. She's working supply. That's how she's able to do mm-hmm. that. In case people were wondering like, oh, you're a teacher. You can just yeah. call in sick. Alex, since she became a content creator, has shifted her 
goals instead of becoming a, a full-time teacher, which is, you know, long hours. Once you get home from mm-hmm. school, there's a lot of marking. That wasn't exactly tenable and being a content cr- creator. So she chose to be a supply teacher for the time being to see how it goes balancing both. Mm-hmm. But right now it's 100% on content <laughs> creating and trying to clean the house while the kids are at school and uh, daycare. But the house is still totally a, a mess with three weeks and of being off. And that's not a slag to no. you. Just there's so much life going on at all times. In, in this weekend, I'm so excited for it. We're going away again. And like, I'm so pumped for it. You know what I mean? I'm pumped for everything that we do. Yeah. there's You need a duplicate person like uh, to, to get by. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But recently... Um, I tried something, you know. I I tried, tried something. I I tried <laughs> taking, and I'm I, I will admit right off the bat. Um, sometimes I take things and I think they're working, but it's psychosomatic or placebo effect. Okay, okay. But I honestly, truly believe that this has helped me in in some ways, um, for sure. Okay. And it's magic mind. Oh my god! Of course. And I've heard. I've heard of this before on other podcasts. I always wondered, oh, is this snake oil? Is it real? Is it fake? Uh, because, you know, if you listen to the podcast, you know I'm always doing 50 different things. Like mm-hmm. I, I have a sketch show. I have a full-time job. I have kids. I'm trying to organize. I commute for hours. At, at a, Every day I'm commuting for hours when I go into work. So anyway, I wanted to see if this would help. And it did. I swear to you, I was more productive i had less coffee Mm -hmm. and i'm up to like four or five coffees a day (laughs) i don't know if you did you know that i started noticing because i up my intake as well and i was secretly looking to see if you were on the same path as me but get this so i take magic mind Mm -hmm. and i took one coffee that day that's amazing and i my body like even if i'm thinking it's working and it's and it's not my body would always tells me at about two have a terrible headache, you need to have another coffee. I did not have a headache. I went a full day with one coffee, which was unbelievable. I was uh, at brainstorm meetings. I was doing better than I normally do at the brainstorm meeting. So mm-hmm. I wasn't feeling sluggish at all. And I did a little research to find out why that is. And apparently matcha extends the benefits of caffeine by slowing your body's ability to absorb it mm-hmm. and i guess it delays it and wait let me i wrote it down here on this little part here oh wait you i thought you were on the website <laughs> no. sorry let me slow your body's ability to absorb it as well as a compound called l-theanine that reduces stress okay so apparently these compounds work together to prevent the spike in cortisol levels that inevitably crash that come from ingesting too much caffeine. So matcha is basically nature's extended release version of caffeine. So obviously um, I read that terribly, (laughs) but (laughs) that's how it works. Yeah, no, so I was looking into it too because I was taking them out of the fridge and having them. So like I was taking them kind of in conjunction or right after I would have my morning coffee Mm -hmm. and it helps that like, Okay, I know you get it too, but I'm sure other parents get it where you just have that brain fog and it's like you have a million things to do. Your list is so long 
you start doing them, then your brain just gets foggy. Everything gets confusing. I think that's when I feel like everything gets kind of overwhelming. But when I was taking the magic mind, that was lessened so much where I was actually able to function more. And then I was looking at it and, you know, it has like the memory things, but then it also has cordyceps mushrooms, which I know, you know, being a lupus person because it helps with inflammation. Mm -hmm. So even just for that, like yeah. give me all the anti-inflammation stuff. I love it. Yeah. Cause I have, I have ADHD. I'm getting officially diagnosed by the way, mm -hmm. uh, October 4th. I'm really looking forward to that day which I'm pretty excited about. So I was wondering, ah, is this just for ADHD people? Is it not, is it only working for mm. me? But I looked it up. It's hard to find a bad review of it. I don't know what's going on. If maybe this is a coordinated effort where they delete them, <laughs> but I couldn't find people who really didn't believe in it. So I tend to think that this is a solid recommendation and yes, I'm sure you deduce that we have a promo code for you. Heck yeah. I was really excited about this because Shane and I have really been into this like morning elixir. It's kind of become an, a, par a part of the routine and it feels amazing. So Magic Mind has actually given us for the first 10 days after this pod comes out, guys, 56% off your first subscription. All right. So that's only for the first 10 days, but that's huge. And you can get that by going to magicmind.com slash family tree and then redeem it with our code, which is family tree 20. And then after that, you'll get 20% off your one-time purchase with again, our code family tree 20 at magicmind.com slash family tree. So that's like awesome. And I'm going to be using the 56% off to get us another bundle. Cause those are, they're amazing. And I didn't have one today, Shane. And I felt it. I know I got to order more yes. and uh, you know, we've had, we've had some great partnerships, but this one probably personally has helped me more. And I think, I don't think we've ever had a bad partnership, but I think this one in particular is very suitable for me. But anyway, for people in the, the middle of, uh, what do I say? The heart of life right now, <laughs> which I think we're in right now, it could help. 100%. And again, I wish I had one today because so as Shane and I were saying, right, this day was kind of dragging on. We had a million things on mm -hmm. both of our agendas. And honestly, it, it felt like we were never going to get through them. And then dinner time comes, right? And I put it like I made a gorgeous dinner tonight. It was so good. I made Mediterranean chicken with like a nice Zatara seasoning with a bulgur veg, uh, veggie bowl to go with the chicken, feta cheese on top. I didn't come up with this recipe. It was HelloFresh. It was HelloFresh. <laughs> and that promo code is no. <laughs> no, but it was, it, it was so good. And it still took a lot of time. It took me like 45 minutes to make this, right? So I sit down and I'm like, told Shane, because our kids are freaking picky eaters and I can't get them out of it. And it's like, they keep getting pickier and pickier. And I, when I was pregnant and when the kids were little, I would pride myself on the fact that as babies, they would eat anything. Like they'd eat pickled herring if I put it in front of them, anything. And now they're, so, they're just chicken nugget kids, right? Yeah. Well, it's like we used to say, oh, Betty is so fearless, yeah. right? When Betty was two, she was fearless. But now she's scared of things. And the more <laughs> consciousness you have and the more life experience or things you taste in this case with food, the more picky I think you get. But this is 
bowl s pickiness because they didn't even taste my dinner. They just both looked at it. They saw all the spices and they were like, nope, not doing it. I don't like this. And then Shane was like, girls, you haven't even tried it. You know, take a bite. And they're like, nope, I don't like it. And then they both put their napkins on top of their meals and sat there with their arms folded. So this behavior needs to stop. So I, I, I'm trying to find a way out of their pickiness. I was impressed by the napkin move because that is the <laughs> universal symbol to, you know, servers everywhere. I'm done with my meal. <laughs> I wonder where they saw that or how they know that. I, I do it all the time because sometimes I'm embarrassed of the lack. If I don't like something, I don't want a server to see how I disrespected the chef. <laughs> so I cover it or mix it around to make it look like more was gone. So they were trying not to let me know that they were disrespecting me, I guess, with the move. Yeah. It's like when, um, you know, there's a an accident or something and there's a body on the road. They cover the body up. <laughs> so my meal is the equivalent to a, a rotting corpse then in their minds. Because it looked too healthy. And I think- oh, It was so good. Yeah. And chicken that's not breaded is closer to being a corpse. Well, it is a corpse, even that's if it what is I mean. breaded. It's that's... just a breaded corpse. That's what I mean. And breading in a way is a way to cover something and make it seem less healthy, which it is less healthy. If you had to eat a human, like for some reason. Oh, breaded. I'd want them breaded. Yeah. Well, here here was what I was going to say. Okay. I was going to say breaded in a super stew or like Fried? roasted in the oven. Yeah. Like not breaded in the oven. I'd want to them uh, breaded and deep fried and covered in Frank's. <laughs> See, I was thinking maybe a, a stew would be the easiest, but anyway, sorry, that Halloween-y question for everybody. Mm -hmm. But I want to go through, because I was, I asked my audience tonight, I was like on Instagram, I said, what do you guys do with mealtime food refusals? So I have you know, a couple responses. I just put it up, but one person said that after that, they are only allowed to eat fruit, which is basically what we try to do. Uh, another parent said they need to give a taste and usually pair it with a safe food. And the other person said they have to wait for 10 minutes. They don't have to eat it, but they can't have any other food until the next snack and always put a safe food. We put safe foods on the plate tonight. It was put, just little pieces of naan bread, though. That, but that's the idea of the safe food is like just to get them to start eating. And it used to work, honestly, when they were little. I'd put a safe food on there if it was a piece of bread or whatever. And then they'd start eating it and then they'd be like, okay, I'm hungry. And then they'd keep eating and they'd try a little that, more. They weren't as smart as they are right now. No, I hate their smarts. This, and the safe food needs to be safer, I think. Because nom is kind of like, okay, non. I mean, non, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Betty goes crazy for it. But I was looking up other tips online because I was like, what to do when your kids are meal refusing? So I want to go through a couple of these and figure out with you mm -hmm. if you think they'd work for us. But the first one is... Serve appropriate food portions. That was appropriate. What I served, I think. That was that was a lot. I think a you lot did? of he a lot of healthy stuff. A lot of healthy, yeah. But we're also trying to not make two dinners. I'm using we in a very <laughs> friendly way in my favor. Well, it's the thing, and I think I am to blame for some of their pickiness because I'm the one that's home at meal times, right? And I usually would make them a kid friendly meal. And then I'd make another meal for Shane and I to enjoy when he'd get home from work and we'd have a nice time eating that. We'd make it spicy and everything. But that is like kicking me in the ass right now. It is so hard. But okay, so another thing, it says eliminate mealtime stress. 
And I was like, what is that mealtime stress? But it's like, don't yell at your kids and whatever if they're not eating. And I think you and I play it so chill when they're not eating. Like we just, we sat there and let them be kind of petulant, reminding them not to be petulant, but then ate our meals and enjoyed it. Yeah, but they do, they were getting bored. And sometimes when they get bored, they think we're just going to attack each other. (laughs) So you do have to raise your voice when an attack is present (laughs) or looming. Um, And then the last one is understand your child's eating style. And it's like, yes, I understand their eating style. They like to eat nuggets and bread with butter and fruit. What do you think Lucy's favorite food is? Like I plain pasta, plain with pasta. That's like, a guarantee like, for but her. But spaghetti, spaghetti, spaghetti. Okay. Yeah. Specifically, and what's spaghetti. the guarantee for Betty? You think? Well, it used to be mac and cheese, but I don't know now because she refused it last time I gave it to her. Yeah. Betty, it's like snacky foods. Like, well, nan bread. Honestly, Betty's weird. Like croissants, she, babe. Oh, croissants—a good one. She loves. She Betty loves croissants more than any human I've ever met. Yeah, because she doesn't really like ice cream. Like, what kid doesn't like ice cream? That's we've, weird. We've offered her donuts at the local donut shop, if you're Canadian, Tim Hortons. And Betty says no to the donuts. Plain croissant. croissant. <laughs> hates chocolate milk. <laughs> loves white milk. She doesn't like overt sugar. No. She can only have, like, sneaky sugar. Like, there's, I'm sure there's sugar in a croissant. And I'm sure there's sugar in mm-hmm. white milk. But she doesn't like the overt sugary yeah. stuff, which is uh, I'm kind of proud of. But I'm also thinking that's odd. A serial killer, babe. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to bring up is that, so you and I kind of had a botched anniversary in the sense that we spent it with friends. It was like a working weekend for you. And we never got that like, you know, big seventh anniversary romantic time. Yes. We had friends who are not inexplicably, because this is a popular show, but they're obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> And we just listened to them talk about Joss Whedon. Is he the producer? He's the producer, director, writer, creator for about two and a half hours straight. And I'm not saying I wasn't entertained and I didn't learn a lot, but it was not how I pictured an anniversary. Well, I mean, try to get your libido going after two hours of Joss Whedon talk. It's not happening. You're going straight to sleep after that. Yeah, right? I, I guess so that explains it. Then. <laughs> but um, anyway, you kind of surprised me last week with an impromptu date night. Oh, like you, yeah. But you hooked up the babysitter. I usually do the babysitter stuff, but you hooked up a babysitter and you're like, Alex, we're going out tonight. We're going out for dinner. Yeah, went out for dinner, had amazing martinis oh. at the keg. I didn't know the keg made such good martinis. I had no idea. The presentation's amazing. They're ice cold and they're personal chillers. They give you olives and some... Uh, the middle olive has blue cheese in oh, it. Beautiful. And the waitress is so good. I was feeling pretty good until we went to a dive bar afterwards oh, to geez. drink. <laughs> you know, and I'm telling, we, <laughs> there's an interesting clientele at this dive bar. It's more divey probably than a, a lot of bars 100%. that we would go to and call a dive bar. And uh, there's two men there. One man was man was being so inappropriate. It was almost comical. It was totally comical. His friend was trying to rein him in, like, oh, you know, chill out. Don't mind Mm -hmm. my friend. He was kind of the nicer of the two. Anyway, I got talking to the nicer of the two, telling him that you and I have children, and this is our anniversary, and he's (laughs) telling me how he's a grandfather, and he actually has uh, grandchildren who are 18, and he has a 25-year-old grandchild. I'm like, you're too young for that. We're, We're having, like, innocent jokes back and forth. Anyway, we go to play pool. 
the cruder of the two men follows us around a little bit. He's <laughs> flirting with you, obviously. He's showing us his clomost. What? How do you say that? Clomostomy bag? That's a hard word for me. Colostomy bag? Colostomy bag. Yes, he's showing that off. He's Which was know. filled with pee, by the way. Anyway, <laughs> at the end of the night, um, we're ready to leave. I think I give you... I had to go to the washroom, so I give you my credit card to pay. And... He's talking to you for an inordinate amount of time, the nicer of the two. And then when we leave, you go, did you hear that? I say, no. You go, he thought I was a prostitute. <laughs> and I said, no. And he goes, I know you're a stripper at least with a butt like that or something. And then you were like, that's inappropriate. And then he said, I know you're a high class prostitute. Yes. Which you might have taken as a compliment. I'd get, like, okay. I, I was just, I was... I'm going to say aghast because of the nice conversations you were having with him. And then I thought that he was just like going to say something nice to me. And then he goes, I know you're a prostitute. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? And then I said, no, uh, I'm actually not. And then he kept fighting it. He was fighting with me over my occupation. I was like, I'm not any kind of prostitute. And then when he says stripper, I was like, no, I am not a stripper. And I was like arguing with them about it. And then I looked at him. I said, look, my husband told me you're a grandfather. How would you feel if somebody was talking to your granddaughter this way? And that's what he looked at me. He goes, you're a high class escort then. And I was like, get out of here. I was so mad at him at that point just for being what? a douche. That's very insulting to me, don't you think? Why? What do you mean, why? I don't understand. You don't, you don't why that, know why that's insulting to me? Mm -mm. Like he what, can't you... fathom that I could get with oh. you? <laughs> You don't get that? I didn't for a second, no. I just think he thought maybe I had like a sneaky career. But do you think... Why would you pretend? Why would you walk around with a prostitute and pretend he, that you have kids? He thinks I'm Danny DeVito and I'm <laughs> pretending I have this... I'm like role playing some fantasy like this is my wife. We have kids. I was even showing pictures. like Which I bet you regret now knowing what a weirdo he is. No, I actually showed it to the weirder guy. I didn't... Show it to the other, but I had proof. I trust the weirder guy more, to be honest. Yeah, but anyway, that that really had me on. What's the opposite of cloud nine? <laughs> like where you just Down feel in like the dumps. It had me, yeah, on cloud dumps. <laughs> but Shane, the impromptu date night, honestly, even with all that, I had such a great time, and I wanted to know two things. So. As a couple, you know, it's our seventh anniversary being married. It was eight years being together. What is one way that you think we could improve as a couple? And what is one way that you think we are absolutely killing it as a couple? Improve as a couple? Um, how can we improve as a couple? I don't. Well, I think if I could just get myself diagnosed and more organized and on potentially i don't know medication or something i don't mm -hmm. know maybe medication is bad maybe it's good i don't know i feel like both of us self-improvement missions for both of us individually will collectively make us a better couple mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think that's good too okay and what's well, the what, other thing how what are, are we, we killing it what are we doing right well we're undeniably a team and yes. not that it's a competition, but if I had to say us versus all of our friends were the most team-like, and you know that can be also looked at as detrimental because codependency mm -hmm. isn't always the most um, 
flattering thing. Sometimes that can be looked at in a negative light, but I do think we make codependency. We're the we're the lighter side of codependency. <laughs> we are the um, the functional version that yeah. I think makes it work. And I think our types of personalities we actually need codependency because two of us, in some ways, make a full normal person. <laughs> I like that on our own. We're just like kind of like half of a human just kind of dragging along but well, we I, just have extreme deficits that need that void needs to be filled some people don't they can they're just like oh i'm 50 percent bad at this no. but i'm 80 percent good at this <laughs> we're like i'm zero percent good at this i i can't I pay my do- taxes i don't know how to pay a phone bill that was my imitation of alice <laughs> <laughs> what's your imitation of yourself I'm, Come on, I'm. This can't be a, an Alex Rose. It's not an Alex Rose. I'm just like lost in this world. I can't parallel park. I, no, I can't, can't park. I can't normal park. I don't know. I'm going to hit another car. <laughs> All right, Shane. But I say let's call it here and get to our mailbag segment. Okay. But before we do that, let's let everyone know who we are supported by. We are supported by Mini Miosh. They are a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. And they make the best basics that you can find for your kids. Your kids or your littles, as we used to say in the early (laughs) Mini Miosh ads. But yeah, it's probably the most comfortable clothes on planet Earth. Oh my gosh. And quality over quantity. Like I actually, this morning, packed up a huge bag of baby clothes that I'm giving away. Like they're the nice ones that you want to give to people you know because they have meaning. Half of it's a Mini Miosh. And it killed me to get rid of it all. But But it's going to make someone very, very happy. Yes. And it's all in such great condition. So it really is amazing. It's timeless, can be passed from kid to kid regardless of gender. And like Lucy and Betty have already been through all of our pieces. So I think that's where the sentimentality came from. Well, Lucy was very sad to see some of it go. I know. I know. She's a nostalgic child. Their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non-toxic dyes. Plus, they now have a women's collection. And Shane, I took a picture today. Let me see. Look at that. Whoa. I'm in What's all the her ads name? Still. Oh, that's you? <laughs> what the? So this is the M and West collection, and they have just awesome stuff for you women. Look good here. Get out of here. No, whoever did the Photoshop on that deserves a race. <laughs> You're a liar. <laughs> but um, it's the same simple French terry, ethically and sustainably produced clothing that you fell in love with for your kids, but for women. And it's amazing. So you can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree15, you're getting 15% off your order. This is available in Canada and in the U.S. and it's one use per customer. So load up your cart. Again, that is minimiosh.com and thisfamilytree15. But we are also supported by... True Earth. And if you listen to our podcast, you know that Shane and I have been on a long-term mission to reduce our environmental footprints in ways that are easy for our family. So when we were doing this, and it's a way that I would recommend, you know, anybody who wants to dip their toes into this uh, to start is just by eliminating single-use plastics in your household. And even then, just find white one item in your house that you want to replace. So we started with laundry detergent jugs. See a jugs? So we discovered True Earth laundry detergent. Have not looked back since. It's been like two years now. The detergent comes in these pre-measured soluble strips that you simply rip apart and toss in your washer. It is so easy. 
And the best part is that there's no plastic. So because the packaging is so compact, it's drastically changed the tidiness of our laundry room, which is yes. amazing. It's a secondary importance, but it is very important. So. Oh, it feels good. And as a family with kids who have really sensitive skin, we usually opt for the baby detergent because it's fragrance-free, it's gentle on everybody's skin, it's still so tough on dirt. But check out True Earth Detergent, and they have so many other products. I actually recently got into wrapping Lucy's lunches with their beeswax paper. It's amazing. Check those out, too. Oh, I didn't know they did that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome stuff. So it's true.earth, and you can use our promo code thisfamilytree10 to get 10% off your order. So again, they've got a million things on the market. Everything is so good. Uh, and that is true.earth and thisfamilytree10. And now we are at the mailbag segment. This is where we answer listener questions or should i say alex answers listener questions what do you have oh you help there too baby all right first question i contribute in some ways but not always when did you know you were ready for a second baby my son is 18 months but i'm nervous to have two i you're nervous to have one i think you're always kind of nervous and you're always gonna have thoughts in your head but if you're considering it i'd almost say that you're ready you know what i mean yeah i mean i just do the the sibling math I'm like, what, is, what was age difference between me and my sister? How did that work? Was that a good age difference? Okay, let me try to shoot for around there if I think the answer is yes. Or if I think the age difference was too much, I try to shorten that, lessen the gap or whatever. Mm, yeah, I say if you're thinking you want to, go for it. I mean, obviously it's personal, but for me, it was like, go for it. Because, you know, there's always going to be things making you nervous, making you second-guess decisions, whatever. But if you want it, do it. And no time like the present. Yeah, and a lot of people, they say they're going to have one. And then they even end up like uh, Mother Nature or whatever starts getting in their mind <laughs> messing with it. Yeah. And then they, they end up having another. So if you already think you want two, you're probably really going to think you want two in another year and a half. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. So the next question. Update from two pods ago. Bijou Phillips filed for divorce from Danny Masterson. Why do you think she did this? To protect his assets or to move on? So did you know this? So about a week ago, Bijou Phillips filed for divorce against Danny. Apparently there was no prenup. And why do you think she did it? Well, there doesn't seem to be much of a future. I don't know how many conjugal visits you get. Um <laughs> Like how intimate you can be. But I, I would think divorce, uh, just even if, let's mm -hmm. say, let's say he was dead innocent. Let's just have a little pretend world here where mm -hmm. he's charged with robbing a bank. It's right. not it's not a sexual crime or anything. It's just robbing a bank. But he, you know he didn't do it. And he knows he didn't do it. You're still apart for 30 years. I would yeah. still say a divorce could be warranted. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you, physical, being around someone is an important part of being in a, a relationship. But that being said, you know, dating in your 40s is difficult. She might come crawling back, <laughs> yeah, no. begging so, him. No, listen. So I, I don't think that she... I think she's furious at him. I don't think she thinks he's innocent. I am furious at you. No, Danny. listen, because she was standing through yeah. the whole trial. Her, like his lawyers and whatever, and her representative, they were saying that um, even if he gets convicted, she's going to stand by him through everything. Even if he goes to prison, she's going to stand by him because she feels so strong in his innocence and whatever. Well, of course, you're going to say that well, until the verdict comes. Well, no, but that's 
they even so the verdict came and she was still saying that but i think that they were waiting until the sentencing and she was saying she was like playing the i still think he's innocent he's a great father he's a great husband card to help him get a lesser sentence but then when it was like oh okay 30 years and i hate you now so like she gone. said i hate you now well i'm you know connecting dots but i don't know because I, I think if they if they took you away the police come here they take you away and they just go, she's going to be in solitary confinement for the rest of her life. <laughs> I don't know. I'd consider that a bit like till death do his part. Like, in a way, you're just not six feet under in a hole. You're in the hole in prison. I think that I, would be I grounds so. for divorce. I would still send you nice letters and be as nice to you as possible, especially yeah. if I believed you're innocent. What would be my limit? How long do I have to get locked away before you say, well, grounds for divorce? I think 10 years is a reasonable time ten. To, to wait. Yeah. So then longer than 10 is like, ooh, that's. Yeah. My hands would be all calloused and <laughs> well, just wailing away on myself. <laughs> what? Okay. Um, next question. Thoughts on the article where the C-section dad sues his doctor $1 billion because he saw his wife's organs. Well, this really is a comedy podcast. Get out of here. Okay. I was trying to do Dr. Evil, but I, I stopped halfway <laughs> I didn't you commit. When did you start and when commit. did you stop? $1 billion. How would you say Dr. Evil voice? $1 billion. Oh, that's much better. I thought that was worse, actually. $1 billion. No, that's terrible. It's getting worse. I think doing an Austin Powers imitation of any sort is terrible. I disagree there. And I think that might be. My wife disagrees with me. <laughs> All right. Okay. So anyway, I looked up this article because I had not heard about this. What is this man called? The C-section dad. I don't know. So it's a guy in Australia. And the writer in her of this question is from Australia. So that's why she knows about it. But a man was watching his wife give birth. A few years ago, she mm -hmm. had a C-section and the doctors were like, oh, come see, like your baby's going to be delivered right now. They encouraged him to come watch. And he said that that put him into like a state of like mental psychosis and it broke down his marriage because he saw his wife's organs when her stomach was opened. Yeah. Or like they were on the table or whatever, the organs. I know they put some things aside. But he said that it led him to just break down as a person and broke down his marriage and everything. So then he sued the doctor for a billion dollars. And I think he got thrown out of court. Like, I don't think they're taking it seriously. Yeah, you can't do anything more than 500 mil, I think. <laughs> but it is bizarre and it's infuriating. Like, if I was the wife and I'd be like, sorry, you are having a mental breakdown because you saw my organs on the table. Like they were my organs on the table when they were taking out the kid that you put inside me. Like, how dare you? I would be furious. I'm furious. You know what? The more I talk about it, the more angry I get. Sorry, what's got you idiot. angry? I missed it. You're mad at him. He's an idiot. Yeah. Why? Because, okay, he's not an idiot, obviously. Everything is much more nuanced. But if I think I'm taking the stance of the wife, I would be furious. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Instead of broke down his marriage. It's like the wife was going through a C-section, which is major surgery. Her organs were taken out and put on the table or however C-sections work. And they took the baby out, the baby that he put in her body. And then he goes and has a breakdown, even though he's fine. Like, yeah, But when a baby comes out, yes, they look a little freaky and like an alien. <laughs> but 
all the organs are intact in the baby and it still kind of looks like a human. Organs in a year is disgusting. Yeah, but he can't like blame, like have it break down his marriage. You know what I mean? Well, the doctor's got to say, listen, this is going to be gross. <laughs> you don't think you would know that? It's his fault for being like, yes, doctors, I will look. I don't think anyone knows how gross a C-section is going to be till you do it. I was under the misinformation that C-sections were easier than vaginal births. Mm -hmm. They're much harder. I thought, oh, that's cheating. That's like crazy difficult. Of course. It's nuts. It's the well, worst. Your vagina is essentially made to do that and then go back to normal you know what i mean yeah but your abdomen isn't necessarily meant to do that so it's major surgery major recovery it's wild yeah, yeah. i could barely get through an umbilical hernia surgery <laughs> um okay next question do you think women know more about their bodies or do men know more about their own so i feel like men know about their own more only because I feel like a lot of women don't know a lot about their vaginas. So yeah, my my answer like it's two-parter. So I think that men start off knowing more about their bodies. And then I think that, I mean, I'm speaking from a mother's perspective, but like if you're about to go through it and get pregnant and give birth, you just learn every single freaking thing there is to know about your body. And maybe there's like a reckoning, you know, if you're not a parent, that just comes with age where you're like, what's going on? Maybe it's menopause. I don't know. But I think that with motherhood, women learn every little thing about their bodies over the course of, you know, a few years. And then we know more. How much do you know about your butt? Not much about my butt, but I didn't deliver a baby out my my butt. But that's what I mean. I think you knowing everything about your body is just getting equal with a man. How much do you know about your butt? Nothing. That's what I mean. We're equals. <laughs> well, I think I know more about my like genital organs than you know about yours. Like, do you know how things work? Like my dinky? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At that, I'm going to say no. Blood and flow. I know more, Shane. Blood flow. Get out of here. Okay, if you were adopted, would you want to know? If I was a, would I want to know my birth parents or would I want to know I was adopted? Would you want to know you were adopted? Yeah, I want to know everything. See, I think I would, but then I think I wouldn't. You know me. I like to just be skipping through a field of daisies all blissful and ignorant. You know what I mean? Would I you want to know if there was a God or no? Like even if the answer was no, would you want to know? No. No, sorry, sorry. I, I wouldn't care. Yeah, I'd want to know because if the answer was no, I don't think it would affect me. But if the answer was yes, then it would affect me. You'd be you know nicer? I, mean? I am nice. I No, would you be nicer, I'm saying? No, I'd probably just be more pray. Pray. Hmm. Yeah, I'd talk to God more. <laughs> yeah, but if if it's no, then whatever. But if it's if it's yes and confirmed. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you find out it's yes, but it's like every religion's real. Like every God is real, not just the one that we think is real. Like they are all the same God, though. Really? The, well, the, they're um, all, like, they're different God. But, I mean, in every every culture, when you go to different indigenous tribes and or just cultures, different places in the world, like, just everybody has a creation story. Everybody has their own version of how the world came to be, of how people came to be. And it's like, maybe it's one 
God, if that's the case, or maybe it is a hundred. Some religions have hundreds of gods. You know what I mean? So who knows? So weird. I know. If there's nothing, we just never know. I know. Or maybe there is something and we still just never know. But sorry, adoptive parents. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I would think everyone would want to know if they're adopted. I think the only real question is, would you want to meet your parents, your biological parents? That'd be so tough. I can't even presume to put myself in that position. That's so hard. To what? Know if you're adopted or? Both. Honestly, I, I, if I think about it too hard, I just get, uh, I don't know. It makes me upset. It's what? A lot, it's a lot to consider. Hmm. It's hard. That's a hard decision. You know, I'm, I'm terrible at decision making like that. It's too emotional for me. You know? Uh, Alex, <laughs> would you like to know if you're adopted or not? No, never mind. (laughs) Okay, the final question we're going to hit for the night. My two and a half year old daughter is very affectionate, wants to hug other kids, and I'm trying to teach her to ask if the other child wants a hug first. I don't want her to lose herself, but also need to teach her how to respect others' bodies, how to go about it. So Betty, and like our, our kids are pretty huggy anyway, both of them, but I know we were at a festival recently and Betty saw a cute baby, like a one-year-old, and ran up to her and held her by the shoulders first. It goes, aw, and then just brought the one-year-old in and planted the biggest, fattest kiss on her cheek. It was really cute, but also I had to run up to Betty and be like, oh, Betty, Betty, like that's not, we, we don't know this person. They're not our friend. We don't know if they wanted that. We haven't talked to their parents yet. The parents are there. Thank God they were, you know, very cool about it. But um, it's just constant reminders. So like even mm-hmm. yesterday, we we're at a birthday party and Lucy wanted to go and give the birthday kid a big hug. So we went up to him and she goes, mommy, can you ask him for me? And even that, like Lucy knew to ask first. She got shy in the end. So she wanted me to ask. So I said, hey, so-and-so, can Lucy give you a birthday hug? <laughs> he then scrunched up his face and shook his head no and we got to respect those boundaries. So I looked at Lucy and I said, okay, maybe you can give him a wave happy birthday. And then she did that. And she wasn't offended. Yeah. You know, and I think it stems from Shane and I, I was thinking about this. I think it stems from us respecting their boundaries when they don't want hugs or cuddles or kisses. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So they know that it's cool if somebody else says no and that you have to respect it because we respect it when they don't want to hug somebody. We don't force them into it. What's good about a two and a half year old too, every week they're on to something different. So you might think, oh my goodness, this kid's doing crazy inappropriate hugs. Two weeks later, they've already lived another like 8% of their <laughs> life and they have so much more consciousness and they're like, don't do that anymore. <laughs> so you just, you wait a minute and then that problem's just gone and then you're on to some new problem. Yeah. Smart. Like Lucy, the more consciousness she has, I find the less huggy she is. I agree, yeah. And right now, Betty's the huggy one. Now, Lucy's more, she gets more reserved, Mm -hmm. a little more shy or like scared of judgment. Oh, like today, scared of judgment. So I got her these new, she wears a uniform. So I got her these uniform pants. They were the boys' pants, but I bought them specifically because they're awesome. They're cargo pants and they've got such a cool fit. Yeah, they look very cool. Yeah, and that's what's in right now for girls, for women, whatever. So we're walking home from school and I was like, Lucy, these pants look awesome on you. Did you like wearing them today? And she goes, yeah, mommy, but look. 
And then we stop walking and she goes, they're just plopping over my shoes because they're so baggy and it's embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. This is what all the cool kids are wearing. And she goes, not in my class. And then we just get walking. But is she going to keep wearing them? I don't know. I'm hoping she forgets about that conversation. Yeah, they did look very cool. They looked awesome. But baby, that's how we got for tonight. Yeah. It just has me thinking about pants as a man my age. <laughs> it's You know, there's that meme of uh, Mike. My friend Mike Veerman was showing me uh, this meme of a bulldog. with oh. and he's, he's got a very big belly and like very skinny Skin. legs. And it's like that's the way people my age because they don't know like men my age don't know how to wear pants or what it, ha- what tightness to wear them i know this meme so well so it's this bulldog standing up on his hind legs and then it says men in their 30s when they wear skinny jeans yeah and it's just hilarious because <laughs> it's so accurate but my friend i saw him online and he actually looks like the bulldog i know Shane, Do you know which first, friend i'm talking about you showed me the picture today <laughs> oh i did this yes <laughs> And it just has me thinking, like, I don't know, I'm going too baggy. It feels like I'm trying to be young. Going tight looks silly. Silly. So I don't know what to do with pants. But yeah, you're right. We should have ended it earlier. But I just, (laughs) pants make me depressed at my age. Anyway, hey, everyone. Great episode. Get yourself some magic (laughs) mind. And thank you so much for listening to This this Family Family Tree Tree Podcast. Podcast, episode 184.